Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area. I got a couple of things to mention as we get started. One is uh, our brother Cody led that more about Jesus, and I keep thinking of memories, but uh, the very first singing instruction I ever went to, I was 10 years old, and somebody taught me how to beat four, four time, and it was Brother Milton Pullen, and that was the song that we beat four, four time to. I learned to swing four, four time. So you can blame those of you who have been in singing instructions with me. You can blame Brother Pullen for teaching me four, four time to more about Jesus. I love that song. Good song. Um, I've got another story to tell you real quick before we get started. It, that, that's applicable to the sermon. Uh, Brother Jerry Lowry down in our part of the country, some of y'all may know him, but he's an elder down in the congregation where I'm at, and he's got a phrase, and the phrase goes like this. You might make a mistake, but if you make a mistake, make a mistake hitting somebody. Now that may seem odd to you, but he, he grew up playing football, and he said he had a coach that taught him that all the time. If you're going to make a mistake, make a mistake hitting somebody. Well, you know, that doesn't translate very well to a choir kid. Uh, you just can't do that when you're standing on the choir risers. So I translated it into choir verbiage. In choir verbiage, it would be if you're going to make a mistake, sing loud and make the mistake loud. It's that kind of concept. And I want to tell you at the end of this day, I really think the message that needs to come out of this, we're going to talk about... Uh, this particular aspect of love today, but it's kind of like at church members. Church, listen up. If you're going to make a mistake, do it loving somebody. That really is the message. If you're going to make a mistake, doing it loving somebody. And I want to tell you, this has not always been an easy subject for me. I grew up going to a congregation. I loved the man with all my heart. But every sermon he ever gave was on love. Didn't matter what the title was. If it's on David and Goliath, the sermon was on love. If the sermon was on revelation, the, the sermon truly was on love. I mean, he preached on love every time he got up and talked to the congregation. And I just want to tell you, my eyes, by the time I was 20 years old, my eyes were rolling to the back of my head going, please stop talking to us about love. Now I'm 57 years old, and I really owe the man an apology because you know who I really think has the answer to some of this stuff? It's that guy because it really is love and that really is the answer uh, that doesn't excuse some of the other things we're going to talk about some of that as we go along by any stretch but everything we do as Christian people ought to be rooted in love and I've been assigned the topic today I'm actually excited sometimes you get assigned topics for these things and they're not necessarily your passion but this right here is me and Sean, Brandon, different guys had talked to me about this subject along the way and asked if I'd be willing to do this and, and I said, yeah, I think I could. Uh, and there's times I want to go, absolutely not. I'm really not in the mood to, to talk on that subject. But, but I'm telling you, there's, this is where the rubber meets the road for us in the church is loving my neighbor with whom I disagree. What do we do when it's not right? When, there, when there's a problem and those kind of things. And we can talk about loving people, but it's a challenge when we disagree with somebody. And I can tell you, as I grew up and I began to learn scripture, things like that, we get in a Bible discussion across 
from somebody and maybe we're sitting across the table from somebody and I'd want to jump across the table you know to make the the potential scriptural arguments that needed to be made on the subject I just want to tell you that as I've gotten older I found out that you know that's really probably not your best approach uh, build relationships with people loving people loving on people caring about people all the things that's been talked to you about in the last two speeches are really a much better approach than trying to crawl the table on somebody to give them your scriptural arguments on things. I'm not against scripture at all. And as I've gotten older, I realized that that brother that kept preaching on love, he wasn't anti-scripture. He was just saying, if you make a mistake, let's do it loving somebody. They make fun of me in my part of the country because when I'm preaching, I use the term an overarching principle a lot. Lisa loves that term, don't you? Overarching principle. But if ever there's an overarching principle in scripture, it's love one another. And I want to start with that. Matthew chapter 22, beginning of verse number 34. When the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment of the law? Jesus said, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So I just want you to notice the two commandments. And these were from the words of Jesus, the greatest commandments, overarching principle of scripture. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. And the second, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And that ought to infiltrate everything we do. Everything we do. When it comes to dealing with matters of the church, caring for people, all those things that ought to infiltrate these two things, that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and that we love our neighbor as ourselves. That in no way diminishes any other scripture that the Lord has given. All those scriptures are important, but this right here is an overarching principle. And there are times when you will see Christian people be happy, they will be thrilled, they'll be joyous or whatever until they disagree with somebody. And then there's almost a hatred that comes out. We don't want to be that kind of people. And we'll talk a little bit more about it as we go along. First John chapter 4, this verse has been used today. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God with whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him that, we, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Again, focus on a couple of principles. If a man say, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. And it doesn't matter if you're scripturally right. It doesn't matter if you're doing something, some other scripture that tells you to do something. If you hate your brother, notice the last part of this. You can say all day long, if you love God and you hate your brother, you're a liar. Because he who loves God is going to love his brother. So we may disagree with one another. I love Sean. I've spent a lot of time working with Sean. Sean's come down to our congregation at College Park. He's worked with our leadership team and... Uh, it does an excellent job of talking about some very serious things, difficult challenges and so forth, that he sits with our elders and our deacons and, and he has he run through some scenarios, talked about some things, opened up the Bible. What do we do in these cases? How do we handle these type of things? And he's worked and, and helped develop our leadership team to, to mature and grow up in these kind of things. And I just want to remind you again, an overarching principle through everything that we do if you don't love your brother, you don't love God. And I want you to get that. If you don't love your neighbor, 
You don't love God. I want you to get that message. You can say you love God. You can sit in church three times a week. If you don't love your neighbor, you don't love God. It's an overarching principle in Scripture. So that being said, if I disagree with somebody, loving my neighbor with whom I disagree, there's a lot of things you can disagree about. So the first question I'd ask is, well, you know, is it a judgment matter? Is it a scriptural matter? And, and the point, I, I'll tell you the point of the rest of this sermon, you can even go to sleep after this, it won't matter. You can relax because the point is, it doesn't matter if it's a judgment matter, a scriptural matter, or any other matter. Love your brother. That's what I'm saying. Love your brother. You may disagree, and it can be all different types of disagreements. A matter of judgment. Do you disagree? Love your brother. Okay? Let's look at a couple of examples. Acts chapter 12, verse number 25. Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Do y'all remember this story? They start off on that first missionary journey, and they take Barnabas' kinfolk, John Mark, he's going to go along for the journey, and they start the missionary journey. Y'all remember what happens about halfway through the journey? Who's the big wab baby and wants to go home? Acts 13, verse number 13. Now, when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. Now, we don't see a whole lot about it in Acts chapter 13, but John Mark is headed back to Mama. He's not going to work. He's not going to the work. In fact, we see a little bit more about it here in Acts chapter 18. Barnabas determined to take with him John. They were headed to another missionary journey. Barnabas determined to take with him John, whose surname was Mark. So we're here we're back with John Mark again. Paul thought not to take, uh, but Paul thought not good to take with him. Take him with them. I'll get it out. Who departed with them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. So all of a sudden you get a little bit more of the insight into why Paul was upset. Paul was challenged with this deal. Barnabas says, hey, let's get John Mark and let's go on another missionary journey. Paul says, he ain't going with us on this missionary journey. That guy, we got halfway to, on the first missionary journey and he headed back to the house, back to Mama. We're not doing that. Verse number 39, the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed into Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God, and he went through Syria and Cilicia confirming the churches. So, okay, you get this first missionary journey. They're headed out. Paul and Barnabas are headed out with John Mark. John Mark, halfway through the trip, decides, i got to go back home to Mama. He heads back home. They start taking another missionary journey, and Barnabas says, hey, let's go get John Mark. Let's take another trip. Paul says, we ain't taking him with us. He won't work. He won't go to the work. He won't. Halfway through the trip, we're going to have to worry about this guy. Sean and I feel that way a little bit about Nigeria. We get to talking about Nigeria and the work over there and all that. You really don't have time to have a problem with somebody. You need somebody going on the trip that's going to be involved in the trip, that understands their role in the trip, that's going to take responsibility for their role in the trip. You don't need a mama's baby. You don't need somebody who halfway through the trip's going, well, but this is tiring and I ready to go home. And I, that, that, that kills your trip. 
So Barnabas says, well, let's take John Mark. Paul says, no, let's don't. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. So what are you doing? Does Paul forever think Barnabas is a bad guy? We withdraw fellowship from him? Is that what we do? We're talking really about a matter of judgment. The guy's going on a trip with us or not going on a trip with us. I mean, really, are we violating a scripture here? Except for maybe laziness. I don't know. Maybe that was a scripture. But it's a matter of judgment. Who really cares if he goes or doesn't go? So in a matter of judgment, what do you do in that case? Well, they went separate directions. And you know, sometimes you have to do that. Maybe you have a disagreement with somebody, and sometimes you have to go different directions. God bless you in your work, Brother Zane. We're just not going to do it together. You know, not anti-Zane. We're just not going to be together doing it. Maybe Sean and I have a conflict, and we're not going to go to... You go on a different trip, Sean, than I go. God bless. We're all on the same team here, but... We can't handle this in the same trip and have to deal with all of that during the same trip. So you go separately. Notice what happened afterwards. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse number 11, kind of toward the end of Paul's life, he said, Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to be for the ministry. You know what he did not do? Paul didn't say, well, John Mark is a waste of time. He's an unscriptural preacher. Uh, there's no, absolutely no way I would ever even talk to that guy again. I'm going to be angry at him. I'm going to, what? That ain't what he did. He said he's profitable to the ministry. It might not have been exactly worked out exactly the way Paul wanted it to happen, but later on in life, they were reconciled to each other in a positive way. He was useful to the ministry. Look at this passage, Colossians 4.10. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you, and Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas, Touching whom you receive commandments, if he come unto you, receive him. Marcus, that's being talked about there, is John Mark. And he said, if he comes to you, receive him. He didn't withdraw fellowship from him, never talk to him again, be angry at him for the next 60 years and all that sort of stuff. He didn't want to go with him on a trip. They went on separate trips, and, but they still recognized they could be useful to the ministry. You know, sometimes we're going to have those situations happen in life that it's a matter of judgment. But I want to tell you, even in a matter of judgment, if you don't love your neighbor, you don't love God. Whatever the circumstance, you love. Maybe you don't agree with what the individual has done, but you love the individual. You care about them. You recognize that they may be profitable in some aspect. Maybe you're offended. Well, we get our feelings hurt. We're offended. And what did the Bible say? That if we're offended, Matthew chapter 18 and verse number 15, the first thing you do is go and tell him his fault between him and thee alone. If that doesn't work, you take with thee two or more, one or two. If that doesn't work, you tell it to the church. If that doesn't work, you let him be unto thee as a heathen and a publican. In every one of those things, I want to tell you, love. Maybe you're offended. Love, because the Bible said if you don't love your neighbor, you don't love God. First Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 7. This is a really 
rough situation. Now therefore there is utterly a fault among you because you go to law with one another. Why do you not rather take the wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? And if you remember the context of this passage, he's talking about taking your brother to law. And, and, and he said, why in the world is one brother suing another brother? They, you shouldn't be doing that. At a minimum, you ought to be able to even ask the church to make a judgment on the situation. Why in the world would you ask a judge out in the community to solve a problem between two brothers? You've gotten offended or you think you've been wronged in some way? I like this right here, though. Why don't you just suffer the wrong? How about that for a solution? I got offended. How about I just go, I love him, I care about him, or I love her, care about her. How about we just suffer the wrong? There was a church problem happened years and years and years ago, ages ago. And it happened over $50. $50. Somebody in the church did work for another person and they had a dispute at the end of that job as to who owed money to whom and it was a $50 problem. Now I grant you in 1950, $50 is the equivalent of what today? 250 bucks? I don't know. I'm sure 50 bucks was a lot more than it is today. But I'm telling you it was 50 bucks. And I'm telling you that one little issue, obviously there were, it was more complex than just $50. But that one little issue separated families, separated brethren, separated congregations of people. People withdrew from one another. All over who was taking sides with who over $50. $50. Could somebody not just pay the $50? Could we not just suffer the wrong? But these things get challenging, don't they? And I'm telling you, they get real. Then all of a sudden, you've got problems. We as people, as God's people, ought to be yearning and earning and striving for unity. Sometimes that means I've been wronged or I've been offended in some way, but... I take it. You know, Matthew 18, that's the very first thing that really ought to... I know I, know I read four, because if somebody has ought against you, go and talk to him but by yourself alone. Secondly, take one or two with you. If that doesn't work, bring it for the church. If that doesn't work, let him be unto thee as a heathen or a publican. But there's really a fifth step in there, and it starts at the very beginning, and that is, how about you just suffer the wrong? How about you not get offended? You could solve a lot just right there, okay? That's one way to start. And to recognize the fact that if you don't love your neighbor, you don't love God. If you don't love your brother, you don't know God. Maybe somebody had a misunderstanding. Maybe there was a misunderstanding over the $50 to the point that nobody was trying to be evil with one another. How about even though we feel wrong, we recognize the fact they're a brother in Christ, and I'm going to love them through it. It's challenging though, isn't it? What if it's a scriptural interpretation? What if somebody's got a view about a passage that's not the view you have about a passage? Well, I can tell you right now that if you don't share my view, obviously you're incorrect. I mean, it's obvious, isn't it? I mean, you ought to know that if you don't share my view on a scripture, obviously your view is wrong. It's incorrect. How many people do you know walk around and go, yeah, I really believe I have the wrong view and the wrong interpretation on that passage of Scripture? Yep. I'm S-T-U-P-I-D and I like it that way. 
No one does that. Everybody walks around and thinks their interpretation of a particular passage is correct. Everyone. And you're wrong unless you agree with me. Right? But occasionally we may have a difference on something. Whatever that may be. And I'm going to love you through it until you change your mind. That's my goal. Right? I'm going to love you through it. Now, y'all know I'm being sarcastic. You know I'm joking. But I'm telling you in real life, this is hard. This is not easy to do. Those people that go to church over there turn into bad, wicked, evil people because they disagree with us on a passage of Scripture. And all I want to tell you today is if you don't love your neighbor, you don't love God. And as an overarching principle, through the text of every aspect of Scripture, love and do you know what I have found out through the years? I know this is going to shock you. I know it will shock you. But I have changed my mind on verses of Scripture before. I know. I know. Sit back. Relax. I know. Don't ask my wife. She wants me to say, I'm, I was wrong. That's what she wants. She wants me to say something like that. And more importantly, she will follow with, but more importantly, I was right, right? That's what she wants me to say. We do that with people when it comes to the Bible. What about issues related to scriptural interpretation? Galatians chapter 2, there's a story related. Paul and Peter had a problem. Galatians chapter 2, and they should have known better. Peter, if you remember the context, Acts chapter 10, he went to the household of Cornelius. There was a sheath that was laid down in front of him that was tied by four corners, four corners laid open. There were all manners of meats that were forbidden for Jews to eat. You remember Paul said, I, and there was a voice that said, eat. And he said, I can't eat that. That's forbidden for a Jew to eat. And he said, what well, God's cleansed, don't you call common or unclean. And he kind of got the message and he realized that the Gentiles were now going to be brought in and grafted into the kingdom, into that branch. He goes back in Acts chapter 11 and repeats that story to the brethren, how God had done this amazing thing and showed him that it's not just in the Jews any longer, but the Gentiles could be a part of this great thing called the kingdom of God and rehearse that with the brethren. Galatians chapter 2, I'm going to pick up the story. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. So in other words, with whatever this false teaching was, Barnabas also was carried away with it. Okay? But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou being a Jew livest after the manner of the Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? We who are Jews by nature, not sinners, uh, sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the family of Christ, and not by the works of the law, for the works of the law... Shall, or for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Now, I got you into Galatians 2 because Paul is relating that story. He said, I went over and he said, I saw Peter, when Jews came to town, not eat with Gentiles. And Peter knew better. 
Peter was the guy that saw the sheet laid out with the four corners that was opened up and in a voice that said, you're going to, don't call it common or unclean. He knew better. Now Paul comes to town and here's Peter. And Peter says, well, the Jews are coming to town. I'm not going to eat with the Gentiles anymore because I might not look right, you know, exactly. And Paul said, I told him at that point in time, what you're doing is wrong. It's unscriptural. And I'm going to back up a verse. I did this in the wrong not in the wrong order. I did it in the order in which I intended. I just want to show you Galatians 2, verse number 11. When Peter was come to Antioch, Paul is saying, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. Now, here's the point I want to make. You may have a different scriptural interpretation. It may even be something that needs to be addressed. It may be a problem that needs to be faced, a real issue that needs to be talked about. And it may be that somebody's totally unscriptural and it's got to be talked about. It's not, I mean, you're violating plain scriptural teaching. type thing it needs to be talked about. But all I want to say is that even at the very end of this story, 2 Peter chapter 3, I'm going to skip through the verse just a little bit. It says, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you in all of his epistles... Peter, later on in life, is recognizing the authority of the Apostle Paul, the beloved brother. You remember our preacher this morning, beloved brother, right? He's recognizing the relationship that he has with Paul, and Paul's authority as an apostle in that case. He didn't discount Paul. He didn't say, Paul, you're worthless forever because I did something. You corrected me on that something those kind of things. Paul didn't discard Peter. He did say, I withstood him to the face. I told him, but later on in life, we're still brethren. And all I want to say again is, if you don't love your neighbor, you don't love God. I want you to put some application to that for just a moment. What if somebody has a different position than you, maybe even in the community, on the issue of baptism? That doesn't mean that they're right on the issue I'm just saying they have a differing view on the issue. Are they your enemy? Or do you love them? And all I'm saying to you today is, if you don't love your neighbor, you don't love God. That doesn't mean they're right. It doesn't mean they've made the right interpretation of the passage. I'm just saying we love them. We care about them. What if somebody disagrees with you on the work of an evangelist and scriptures related to the work of an evangelist? They could be wrong on the issue. It is possible you could be wrong on the issue. Maybe that's a possibility. I did tell you I've been wrong before, right? I've changed my mind on some things along the way. Maybe you have. What I'm telling you is, is can you still love somebody and disagree with them? Can you love them through it? Can you see that down the road we could still work together in some capacity, some maybe, in, maybe it's a far stretch, maybe we have to go separate directions for a period of time and do different works. Maybe that's the case. But could it be that we still love them even if they disagree with us on that issue? Even if the issue's wrong, even if they're wrong on the issue? Maybe we need to address it. Maybe we need to have a conversation, but maybe even through addressing it, maybe even with the conversation, we still do what? Love them. Overarching principle in Scripture. If you make a mistake doing it or do it, loving him 
or loving her, caring about them in the process. There's a lot of other issues we could throw, let, throw out, but let's go to the extreme. Somebody's a heretic. I mean, and a heretic, in fact, the Bible in Titus chapter 3, verse number 10 says a man that is a heretic after the first and second admonition reject. And I'm telling you, there are Church of Christ people that can't smile because they can quote you this passage, but they don't do it with loving you in the middle of it. They do it with, I ain't going to smile in the middle of it. And all I'm telling you is, is, yeah, the Bible says, after the first and second admonition, reject. We need to be talking to an individual that would be a heretic, that'd be preaching a false doctrine. We need to talk to them about it, first and second admonition. They need to be rejected. And I want to even go to the extreme, extreme... 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 5. Y'all remember there was a guy in the church at Corinth sleeping with his father's wife. There were a lot of not good things happening in that passage. Verse number 5, Paul instructs the church at Corinth to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now, does that person need to be delivered to Satan for the destruction of the flesh? And the answer is yes, they do. But why do you do it? Because you love them. You want their soul saved. We've talked all week long a little bit about family and kids and raising kids and, and telling kids no and, and teaching kids to control their spirit and all that. Part, why, why are we doing that? Because we love our children. It's the parent that doesn't love their children that never says no. You don't love your children if you don't tell them no. A person that, like, if I love Lisa, I want her to have boundaries. If she loves me, there are boundaries in this relationship. If she didn't love me, she'd let me go do whatever I wanted to go do, and she wouldn't care. We had four daughters together. If we didn't love them, go, girls. Who would care? We don't love you, but we do love them. So, therefore, there are boundaries we don't want you participating in that. That's going to hurt you in some way. We love you. We care about you. And I want to tell you, as church members, it's no different. Maybe your elders come to you and talk to you, and they say, there's a problem. Something's wrong here. Maybe even it gets to the point that after the first and second admonition, you've got to be rejected. Maybe it's the point in Matthew 18 that gets to step number four that says, let him be unto the he thee as a heathen and a publican. It's already been brought before the church. It's been decided on. And this person has to be withdrawn from. This person has to be separated from the fold. Here's the point I want to make. It's done because why? We love them. We want them saved. We care about them. The elders are coming to you and talking to you. Maybe the elders are making a mistake. Maybe the elders don't understand. Maybe the elders, but maybe you don't see something the elders see. Maybe they're just trying to have a conversation with you about something. They don't become your enemies. You're not their enemies. I promise you today, your elders love you. They want what's good for you. Even if it came to the point of withdrawal, if you don't love your neighbor... You don't love God. Now, keep on with that story from 1 Corinthians chapter 5. That same individual. Go to the second book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 6. And I just want you to look at what happened. In this case, that individual repented. Sufficient to such a man is this punishment, which was inflicted of many. 
so that contrarywise you ought rather to forgive him and comfort him lest perhaps such a one would be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Wherefore I beseech you that you would confirm your love toward him. Do you know when he wrote to the church of Corinth said you need to separate yourself from somebody that's doing that kind of thing that's doing that kind of behavior that's, that's awful you don't need to do that in this case this individual repented this individual said yes what I am is doing is wrong I'm repenting and then Paul writes a letter to him and says you need to forgive him don't let him be overwhelmed with too much sorrow either and you need to confirm your love toward him I've seen some great elders in the church take individuals that were having struggles or problems or challenges or whatever that had even repented and seen elders work with them, sometimes even trying to be hard with them or wanting to be hard with them and say, guys, you've got to learn, or, or girls, you've got to learn. You can't let this destroy you. And I'm telling you, you've got to do some things to help yourself. But I'm telling you, it's motivated by love. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 6 says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Any of you been through discipline of the Lord, you know, or at least felt like you had been? The Word of God whooped you around a little bit? You know, maybe you're going through a difficult time, and maybe it is because of bad decisions you made. Maybe it is because the Lord chastens you. And there are consequences for the bad decisions that were made. But I want to tell you, it's because he loves us. He wants us in a good way. He wants, he's helping us. When he wrote his word and said, abstain from fornication and don't commit adultery and don't lie to your neighbor. Do you think he was doing that to hurt you? He was doing that to help you. He was trying to kind of keep you within the boundaries, within the pathway, so that you're not out here doing things that are going to destroy you. He's trying to help you. He's trying to help your family, trying to help those that are around you. He loves you, and to whom the Lord, or for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And he scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. And you do the same thing with your children because you love them. Son, daughter, whatever the relationship may be. No, we're not going to do that. That's not good for you. That would hurt you in some way. I love you too much to not say something. And how about the relationship that we have in the church? I love you too much. I love you so much. I'm going to say something. It's worthy of speaking up because I love you that much. I'm not saying the conversations are easy. I'm just saying they don't come from a place of hatred. The heart is not hard to hatred. We don't hate people. We love people. It may be people we disagree with. It may be people that are vile. It may be people that are doing things contrary to the Word of God. It may be people who have different scriptural interpretations than us. It may be that we just got offended over something and somebody did something that we, they really should have done. It may have just been over a matter of judgment, whether to use somebody, not use somebody, all that kind of stuff. But all I'm telling you at the end of this story is if you don't love your neighbor, you don't love God. And if you really want to walk out of here today and be a friend of God and you love God, then through all of those things, even with whom we disagree, we're going to love them through it. If we're going to make a mistake, we're going to make a mistake loving somebody and caring about somebody. God bless you today.
Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.